0: see Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Project Shadow. My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C. e. Dorset. And today we're going to be talking about world building on the biggest scale. Well, I guess not the biggest scale, I guess you could be doing like something that takes place in a galactic cluster like Voltron. But today, I, I've been spending so much time developing the galaxy for the new series that y'all asked for, that yeah... I I, I kind of want to talk about it. I'm not going to... Don't worry. Don't worry. Especially if you've been following me on Twitter. I am not going to be going into math in this episode. There will be as little conversation about sines and cosines and tangents and, you know, all that fun stuff as I can get away with because, yeah, there, there's crazy, crazy making all kinds of crazy making, I've basically spent the last three, four days buried in the bowels of trigonometry, doing math, building a spreadsheet, and I'm going to talk about it, (laughs) because I think it's important to share these kinds of things with you all. Okay, so let me explain what I'm doing and why. First of all, when I began developing the new serial, I had, and I think all writers need to ask one question before any other. Is there Earth? That's important, because there may be Earth, there may not be Earth. Star Wars, for example, there be no Earth. Dune... There be Earth. But it was a long time ago, and most people don't talk about it anymore. And so the question of whether or not Earth exists in your sci-fi setting is fundamental to most, if not all, of the world building that comes after it. And that's true for a couple fundamental things. One, the humans, because... Let's be honest, very few science fiction settings do not include humans in some way, shape, or form. Even Star Wars has humans. They're simply not Terrans. And if you're going to include an Earth, or the Earth, then how much realism are you going to build into the setting? And for me... This posed a lot of really big questions, because I believe that you have to be careful as far as what things you're going to stretch reality on when doing, especially a science fiction-adjacent story, because, you know, the further away you get from established reality in science fiction, the harder it is for most people to get into it. So for example, in Stargate, everything pretty much works exactly the way you expect it to with the exception that wormholes are used to travel from planet to planet and they don't ever tell you where the planets are. They just don't. So, you don't have some of the concerns that you would have in a different type of science fiction. For example, Star Trek has an interesting history when it comes to the galaxy and its use of the galaxy. Because, well, when the original series was being written, it was just kind of being written. And so, while some of the star systems that are named are actual star systems you can look up and find its location and other things you can infer that we call people orions because they are probably from somewhere around the orion nebula in theory i mean that would make sense right so the original series gives you a few hints as to where things are the next gen builds on this and gives us a lot more detail for example, we know that they are using an Earth-centered coordinate system. They're using a heliocentric model. And we know that because, well, the Borg, even the Borg, are trying to find their way to Sector 001. And in Sector 001 is Earth. I find it odd that even the Borg are looking for that designation. But then again, they're talking to people that are using that type of a star map. So I guess that makes sense. And where that doesn't make sense is when you realize that the Vulcans were in space for a long time before, and they would have used a different coordinate system. But I'm not going to quibble. I'm not going to quibble because there's far more interesting things to quibble about. I have oh, I don't know, maybe five or six different quasi-official maps of the galaxy that were put out in various Star Trek publications. And they don't always match up. They they don't always align to exactly what you think they should align to. And they do this in some fairly interesting and bizarre ways. So, for example, when you have the introduction of Deuce 9 and Galactic Quadrant becomes a very important thing, they, for some reason, did not b- base the quadrants off of the heliocentric mo- model that had been used in Star Trek previously and all of their things and did it off of the galactic center, which pushes Earth into the Alpha Quadrant and Deep Space Nine and its its, uh, surrounding empires into the Beta Quadrant. And then, of course, you have the Delta and the Gamma, which become important in Deep Space Nine and Voyager, respectively. Or, actually, backwards. Flip that. Delta Quadrant's where Voyager goes, and the wormhole in Deep Space Nine goes to the Gamma Quadrant. Now, these are interesting maps when you look at them and compare them because they then have to associate not only Federation space with its named star systems. We know what star many of the planets that we meet in both the next gen and the original series are but we also have to account for the Romulans, the Tholians, the Gorn, the Ferengi, the Cardassians and others that like the Sheliak who are said to have their own interstellar empires if you will for lack of a better term. And because they did not initially set out with a system for codifying the locations of these places other than by narrative necessity. The maps I, I have maps where the position of each of these changes dramatically. Sometimes the if if you can imagine a north south east west on a galactic map, right? Sometimes the Romulan Empire is to the east of the Klingon Empire, sometimes it's to the west. Sometimes the Klingon Empire is up against the Cardassian Empire, which it will be for virtually every map created after Dusebius Nine, because we know that there is a war on the border between the Klingon Empire and the Cardassian Empire, so they have to share a border. This flips a lot of the earlier maps that actually would have put the Romulan Empire in the in-between, and sometimes it doesn't. There is a considerable lack of uh, consistency between Star Trek maps, and I always found that to be a bit... Troubling as a fan, it was something that bothered me a lot in looking at them. Star Wars, on the other hand, is a completely fictitious galaxy that they get to make and lay out however they want to do so. And the interesting thing about that is they've been fairly consistent even after the Great Canon Purge, where the Extended Universe was thrown out. For the most part, they didn't move any of the major systems that we would see on a map of the galaxy. There is some question that has led to one of the more interesting um, fan theories around Star Wars. And that is where Starkiller Base is located on most galactic maps that are put out by the story group, that's roughly where Ilum was on the maps prior to, you know, the Great Cannon Purge. This has led many people to assume that Ilum was turned into Starkiller Base. They have yet to confirm or deny that theory. But it's interesting, and it's a theory that you can really base a lot of, you know, Uh, support for based on the fact that they are fairly consistent in their maps. I have never bought a Dune book that had a map with it. I am not familiar with any maps that were officially put out for anything related to Firefly or a lot of other interstellar series. So when I got to the point of wanting to create a space opera... I wanted to include Earth. I, I have never done that in any space opera that I've written before and thought it was a unique challenge and it was something that I wanted to do. It would also alleviate a lot of my own personal guilt for wanting to give human you know actual terrestrial names to human characters because that is something that I am want to do and I feel weird doing the Luke Leia thing when uh, you know we a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. But the one thing that I wanted to ensure that I was doing was that I was being consistent throughout. So, for me, one of the first things to do was develop a sense of scale and a coordinate system that I can then populate. That, that, that has been all manner of trigonometry. And... I, after I, it, it took me like two, three days to get all the numbers into the spreadsheet that, and all the formulas put in and work and doing things. And the last couple days I've spent trying to fix them because the math wasn't working. And I'll explain that in a little bit, but you know, the, the, the moral of the story is I, I, I mistyped one equation and then copied it through a whole bunch of the table. And that was making the math not work anymore. So that was my bad. Debugging, isn't it fun? But anywho, so my goal is not to adhere strictly to the known universe. Mainly because that's a lot of work that doesn't pay off. And this is something, if you're doing any kind of creative work, you really have to start asking yourself is, Are the things that I'm doing going to materially affect the work that I'm putting out? If they are, then they're worth the time energy investment that you're going to put into them. If they're not, maybe not worry about it so much. So for certain things, like where is, you know, Tau Ceti, where is Alpha Centauri, that could matter. And break the illusion of the story for some people because those are two star systems that are not that far from Earth. So their location should be fairly close to planet Earth. But if I were to ask you what six star systems are in proximity to Sagittarius A, and I don't mean by looking up in the night sky, I mean by like actual physical distance. What six star systems are closest to Sirius, to Sagittarius A, well, you probably wouldn't know that. Some people might, and more power to them, but that's information that I don't have. So my main idea going into this project was to try to nail down as much as I can of the things that matter, and not worrying so much about the things that most people don't know. And this is where everything really starts to be questionable. So some of the things that, you know, to me are important is certain nebula. We have an idea of where they are. And they become good focal points. Because if I asked you to name every star that's around the Orion Nebula or the Cat's Eye Nebula or the Crab Nebula... You may be able to look that up, and I still might look some of that up for storytelling purposes. But if I asked you to list me the 25 most important star systems around there that may have interstellar life on them, then we're dealing in the realm of conjecture, and that's a place where story can take hold and take root and do what it's wanting to do. So that's kind of the genesis of everything that I'm working on right now. There are some big things that, you know, would be fun to know where are, you know, such as the nebula and some of the named star systems that might be fun to reference for some reason, like Beetlejuice, because, you know, a fun word to say. Um, But for the most part, the actual day-to-day position of the stars in the area. And of course, most of the stars in the area do not have names. They have numerical designations. Well, I can tell you right now, for the most part, most of the star systems that I'm going to be bothering to name in a story are going to have a outpost, a colony, a home world, something of that on there. They're going to be probably habited in some way, shape, or form, unless, for sake of the story, it's important that they go to an uninhabited star system. That means, by necessity, the names of the stars are not going to match, because despite what Star Trek did with some of its naming conventions, you know, the people in the Orion Belt, or around the Orion Nebula, are not going to refer to themselves as Orions. We might refer to them as Orions but they would have their own self-designation. So for me, that frees me up to be able to create star sectors and what have you for the fiction as necessary, just kind of randomly generating planets and stars. Because again, even if I used current data, my numbers would always be wrong. Because... This story is probably going to be set about 500 years into the future. And as such, I would have to account for 500 years of stellar drift. And that may or may not change the location of certain stars. It would at least change the distances between them a certain degree. And if you're looking for that kind of realism in your space opera more power to you and please let me know who's going into that kind of detail in creating their space opera because I, I i would be fascinated to read it but that's not what i'm going to be doing I, I i would be for the most part generating a lot of that from random numbers but again you know you want to be careful about what you're doing and how things are working out and when you're working on galactic scales of this type world building can very quickly get away from you and i found it interesting when i did some research leading up to this as i was going into this i tried to look up people and what their advice was for galactic world building and yeah i really didn't find much of anything. And I understand that because at that at this scale, it a lot of it is kind of, you know, try to adhere to what you understand of basic galactic norms and how stars and planets and nebula work. But for the most part, there isn't a lot of advice out there. And so I highly recommend that if you're going to do this, you set up, you just set up your scale. You pick the things that matter to you and that you want to be in the right place and you work from there. Because anything else, trying to be rigid, first of all, the best star map that I could find Went out 2,000 light years from Earth. That's not bad. And that, of course, doesn't count any brown dwarfs or, you know, non-glowing stellar phenomenon. But 2,000 light years, that's not bad. And then you realize that the galaxy is basically 100,000 light years from point to point, from edge to edge, and roughly ovoid... Spherical ovoid, And yeah, then you start to realize how insane that is. And plus, that's going to be a lot of data I don't need, and it's going to be cluttering up all of the information that I do have and making it hard for me to actually see what's important to the story. These are all things that each writer are going to have to take into effect for themselves when constructing a a galaxy. But for me, I'm really in this phase in my life where I want to be as simple as possible with as much as possible. And having 2,000 light years worth of stars plotted out in a sphere around Earth, that would be great. But then when I look at where I think the story is going to take place, it may actually be outside that limit at least one of the candidate locations that i'm thinking about for having the story take place would be outside that limit so all of that information wouldn't mean anything it would just be extraneous clutter on the map for better or for worse so these are the things that we have to think about when we're creating something on the scale of a galaxy. We also have to think about the scale of Galactic Empires. This is something I've been giving a lot of thought to, and if you have any thoughts, I would love to hear them. Because when you actually look at, especially those old Star Trek maps, the size of the Federation is mind-boggling on one hand, on the one hand, and really problematic on the other. Because you realize, very quickly looking at the map, All of this is claimed as Federation space, but that planet, that planet, and that planet within those borders are not members of the Federation. And all of a sudden, galactic empires start making less sense. Not that they wouldn't exist, not that they wouldn't happen, but trying to figure out territorial borders and boundaries really starts becoming problematic when you're looking at the sphere of influence from a star system and what have you and keep an eye out on my social media i may be tweeting out some links to some of the resources that i found on that because i'm vetting a lot of (laughs) i've been vetting a lot of math lately but i've been looking at some theoretical models for helping to figure some of that out but Yeah, this is all going to be an interesting experience in galactic world building. Because I'm not doing Star Wars. So there isn't going to be a monolithic empire or republic or what have you that controls most of known space. So there's going to be a lot of smaller regional powers. And that starts bringing up a lot of other theories and questions that I have about how many star systems. A, If you looked at a map of a galaxy, how many of those galactic empires would you actually be able to see on it? And I really want you to start thinking about that, because I would love to know your opinions about that, because I'm starting to wonder if that's like wondering why we don't see counties and individual townships on a globe. Like looking at the United States on a globe, they will show the borders of the U.S. Sometimes they will show the states. They don't show you the counties. They don't show you many cities. They will have some like prominent major cities marked, but not all the cities. And, you know, it's that Google scaling thing. You know how when you're on Google Earth and as you scale out, some detail vanishes each time as you go further and further out. The number of stars in space and the prevalence of planets that we're finding around those stars, it starts begging the question, in actual physical space, if you had a something like the Federation, which in the many of the new um, next generation sourcebooks had about three hundred member worlds, it took up many, many thousands of light years of space when you looked at its borders. Much more space than it kind of could justify based on the fact that not every star within its border, not every civilization within its border was a member of the Federation. And so, it makes me wonder if these galactic empires might look more like a county on a globe than they would countries or continents. Something to think about. It's something i've been thinking about a lot galactic world building is crazy and there aren't a lot of resources on it and so i kind of wanted to take you through some of the thoughts that i've been having i hope that this helps i hope you found something in here that interested you um see i got through the entire episode and didn't go into sines cosines and tangents Even though I'm really tempted to do everything in galactic latitude and longitude instead of a Cartesian point system. Haven't decided yet. We'll see. We shall see. Probably going to use the Cartesian point system. Anywho, um, if you like this episode and the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate either this episode or the podcast in general, please do so. That helps a lot. That tells the algorithm to share the podcast with more people. If you have a buck, you can throw my way and join the project in doing so. In the show notes, you'll see a link that says Anchor Community Support. If you go down there you click that link, you can join at the $1, $5, or $10 levels. That money helps out a lot, especially in the intermezzo where we're waiting on sponsorships. And also that keeps me from being overly reliant on sponsorships, which would also be a great thing. Um, Helps me get the mic, helps me get everything, you know, that I use to make all my work possible. So if you got the money and you want to join, please do so. If you don't, and trust me, I understand not having the money, that's fine. Please share this podcast with somebody that you think will enjoy it and especially somebody who might want to be along for the ride, because I don't know if you all intro, you know, enjoyed this episode, but I'm thinking of doing more kind of world-building episodes, especially as I'm going through doing development, because I love behind-the-scenes stuff, and I don't know. I hope you guys do too. We'll see. I'd love to hear from you on that. Um, If you would like to follow me, I am C.E. Dorset on Twitter, or you can go to facebook.com slash group slash Project Shadow and join the group over there. I am trying to get better at posting over there. I am not good at it. Facebook is not my jam, but I'm trying. And I probably would spend more time over there if we had an active group. So, you know, if that's something that you would like to see happen and you are active on Facebook, please join and force me to use it. You can find links to all of that, as well as everything that I do, over at ProjectShadow.com. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who has been so supportive lately. It really means the world to me. Um, I don't want to get too soppy, but y'all are wonderful. And thank you so much for listening and saying nice things and sharing things with me. It makes all of this worth it. And, I don't know, we need more community in the world today. Anywho, until next time, don't forget, have the fun. Bye.